The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. This season of Lent, we're under the theme intervention, and we saw God's intervention in Adam and Eve's shame. Remember this? And God became a sower. He literally knit together clothing to cover their shame. Last week, we saw God's intervention in the curse that fell on humanity because of sin, and he gives them the blessing, the great blessing of the seed through Abram. And now this week, we're actually going to switch genres of Scripture. We're going to move away from stories or narrative, and we're going to get into poetry, but we're going to stay in the same theme of intervention And here God's going to intervene in blindness. And and you'll see that come out in our lesson here this morning real clearly in just a minute. Let's read it together. It's right there in your bulletins. Here's what Isaiah writes. It's Isaiah chapter 42, verses 14 to 21. For a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Big promise right there. But those who trust in idols, who say to images, you are gods, will be turned back in utter shame. Hear you deaf. Look, you blind, and see. Who is blind but my servant, and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one committed to me, blind like the servant of the Lord? You have seen many things, but have paid no attention. Your ears are open, but you hear nothing. It pleased the Lord, for the sake of his righteousness, to make his law great and glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Join with me in praying. Lord, teach us today and lead us to become those who are blessedly blind that we might be led by Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So, I was actually poised to put into Google Images this search phrase. It was this, travailing woman. Now, if you don't know what a travailing woman is, that's okay, because a week ago, I didn't either. In fact, I had to look it up. And the reason I looked it up is because of the King James translation, for those of you who love the KJV. This is the way the King James translates the last portion of Isaiah 42, verse 14. This is what they said back in the day. Now will I cry out like a travailing woman. 
So, so I had to look up this word. Travailing. What does travail mean? Well, travail means to labor. It's a, a laborious, painful thing. So the best example of a travailing woman is a woman giving birth. A woman in labor. And so we could talk about this in medical terms. We could say that there's, we know this, there's three stages of labor, right? But it's the third stage of labor that we're really focusing in on this morning. This is this, the third stage that doctors call, ladies, transition. So it's the pushing part. It's the part where there's panting and gasping and the baby is coming out whether you like it or not. And so, you can imagine now why I was a little bit trepidatious to put in to Google Images the phrase, travailing woman. I did it anyway because Isaiah wants us to picture this. And this is what I saw. This is the thing that grabbed my attention. And thanks be to God, most of it was blurred out in the image. But there was this foot sticking up in the air. And then there was very detailed the woman's face. And if you've ever been in labor and delivery, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The woman's face or forehead was, was wrinkled. Her face was red. She's sweating, and her mouth is formed as if in a scream. Everything about her facial features was saying, I am in very big pain right now. And so this is the reason why. This is the reason why I didn't want to Google the phrase travailing woman. And yet... It doesn't seem like Isaiah had any of this kind of trepidation in using this image, doesn't it? Does it? Listen to what he writes again. He, this, is, this is our first verse, verse 14. He says, For a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now... Like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp, and pant. You see what's happening here? This isn't Isaiah speaking. This is the Lord. And the Lord is comparing Himself to a woman. Now that would be shocking enough. And to be clear, we have to say this is what we call a simile. So the Lord is not saying, I am a woman. And we shouldn't begin to refer to him with feminine forms. But also to be clear, he is comparing himself to a woman, not just any kind of woman or a woman in any kind of state. He's comparing himself to a travailing woman. A woman in labor. And this is a shocking image. This is an image that Isaiah wants to say, I need you to pay attention to what I'm saying here. I want you to understand something very, very important. But it's not just the image that's shocking. It's the sounds that Isaiah gives. 
He doesn't give just one verb, does he? Not just two verbs. He gives three different verbs to describe the sounds that a travailing woman makes. It's almost like he's digging deep, deep into his vocabulary so that we absolutely understand this is what it sounds like in a maternity ward when God is laboring. This is what we call, I'm going to use a big grammatical term, maybe you can remember this, this is what we call automatopoeia. You know what automatopoeia is? Automatopoeia. Automatopoeia is when the way the word is written mimics the sound. So to understand this, I'll give you a few English examples. Here's a few English examples of automatopoeia. We have words like sizzle and words like drip. And we have words like cuckoo. That's what we have here. This is automatopoeia, three verbs. And so we have this shocking image of a God like a travailing woman. And we have these shocking sounds, and this is what it sounds like in the maternity ward. God says, I cry out. I gasp. I think that's automatopoeia in English. I pant. And so, is Isaiah using these shocking images and sounds just for fun? We'd have to say absolutely not. He's using these shocking images, he's using these shocking sounds so that we can get to know our God and what He's like. And so, we know this about God, that it seems like He hides Himself. It seems like He doesn't care. It seems like He's <coughs> silent. Was that automatopoeia? No. <laughs> Here's what Isaiah says. For a long time, I've kept silent. I've been quiet and held myself back. So it seems like God is being quiet about it. It seems like He doesn't care about our sin. It seems like He doesn't care about their sins. And yet we know that that's not the case at all, is it? God was pregnant for a while. But now He's shrieking. Now He's wailing. Now He's panting like a travailing woman. You know he's shrieking and crying out? He's saying, stop being so blind. You see that? The very first time that people are actually mentioned in these verses, they are called what? Blind. He doesn't just call them blind once either. Not even twice, three times, but four different times. He even gets sarcastic about it. Here's what he says. Look, you blind, and see as if blind people can see. 
He's saying, stop being so blind. Come to a right understanding of what your sin looks like before God Almighty. And Jesus is getting at this too, isn't he, today? He heals this blind guy who's doubly blind, and then he comes to this climactic statement. Try to wrap your brains around this one. Jesus says, proverbially, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and so that the blind will see and those who, will, who see will become blind. So you know what Jesus is getting at? Do you know what Isaiah is getting at? He's saying, stop being so blind to your sin. And we understand this, don't we? We can't see the truth about ourselves. We just can't see it. We're blind to it. I remember back, this is over 10 years ago now, I was sitting in seminary preparing to be a pastor, and there was a, a professor, I don't even remember what class it was, but I remember what he said. He said this. He said, each one of you, I could break down literally with the law of God, and I could bring you to your knees by saying something personal about you. And you know what? I wanted to hide. Because I knew he was right. It's so easy for an outsider to look at us and say, this is what's wrong with you. They love money. She cares too much about our image. He works too much and neglects his family. It's so easy for someone to look at us, and we could do that this morning, couldn't we? We could look at each other and we could probably say, this is what's wrong with you. But we can't see it about ourselves. We're blind to it. And when we finally come to that realization that we're blind to the depths of our own sin, that's when we become the blessedly blind. That's when we become the blessedly blind. Because that's where Isaiah and Jesus want to bring us. And it's interesting, this lesson, I think it's very interesting that Isaiah actually doesn't promise to restore sight. Right? You actually don't see that in this lesson anywhere. He promises many things. He promises to level the mountains and make the roads straight. He promises to do all these things like make idolatry look stupid. He, he promises to bring light where there's darkness. But nowhere, nowhere does he actually promise to give to you sight. This is what he promises instead. He says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known, along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. So he's saying the Lord's going to bless and lead blind people. He's going to take you by the hand and get you through it. He's going to take you, even though you don't know the way, and make sure that you walk a path that is absolutely unknown. But He's not going to give you sight. He's going to teach you instead to trust in God. So that's what we have here. 
we have the blessedly blind being led by God. We have lots of gospel promises here in Lent, don't we? We saw that God is a sower. He knits things together for us. Last week we said God is going to become a seed to reverse the curse. We saw before that God is like a travailing woman. He suffers for us. But now we're seeing that God actually becomes for us a guide dog. He's going to get us through whatever we're going through. Because His mercy is so great. Now, why can you trust this God? Why can you become blind? I'll tell you. Because of distorted faces. We saw one distorted face earlier in this lesson. How God suffers for us. And we talked about how a travailing woman has a wrinkled brow and her face is red and her her mouth is formed as if in a scream. We can trust a God who suffers like that for us, can't we? We can let Him lead us. For Isaiah, that was just a picture. It was a metaphor, a simile. But for Jesus, that contorted face was real. And we have to understand that in Lent, don't we? That he had a wrinkled brow too. And that he had labored breathing as he died. He gasped and panted like a travailing woman to take away all sin. If we have a God who would suffer that because He loved us so much, then we can let Him lead us. Then we can let Him take us down the path of life and lead us on paths that are just unknown to us. Isn't that true? So I want you to understand this. Through contorted faces, we can actually say that whatever, whatever you are suffering right now, you can let Jesus lead you. And you can get blind about it and just trust that He's with you. That's the biggest promise of all here, isn't it? I will never forsake you. And we need to start believing that. Continue to believe that. I'll tell you why. There's some images that we'll just never forget. Some of them we probably wish that we could forget. We saw them and we never want to see them again. But this is one of those images that we have today that we'll never, ever want to forget. Why would we want to forget love like that? Love that brings about a suffering and contorted face. This is a face that says to you, I will never, ever forsake you. I'm with you, even despite your sins. This is something that we want to meditate on. It's a powerful image that calls us into a new relationship with this God who is like a travailing image, a woman. Amen.